Happy Friday to everybody. Welcome to the NFL News Edition of the Atlanta Discussion Podcast. I am Trudy Collins. This podcast is featured on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other audio platforms. Don't forget to check out my website at trinity24 at wixsite.com. That's T-R-I-N-T-I-Y 24 at wixsite.com. You can follow me on Instagram at onemanisland underscore productions and also Check out my YouTube channel, One Man Island Productions. People, the playoffs are fast approaching. The NFC East still sucks. The Saints are separating themselves from the Buccaneers in the NFC South. And the Browns have their first non-losing season since 2006. But first, let's start the show with the Ravens and Steelers game. This past Wednesday, the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers hosted the struggling Baltimore Ravens. The Steelers won 19-14, good win, but hardly impressive. The Steelers emerged victorious and still undefeated, 11-0 for the first time in franchise history. But with the, Ra- with the Ravens not having Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and the majority of their starting players, the Steelers played sloppy and maybe, just maybe, played down to the competition, which has happened over the years. There have been times when the Steelers have lost games that they clearly should have won or the games are close and they just, but they should have blown them out. Mike Tomlin, head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, had this to say after the game. And I quote, it was really junior varsity, to be quite honest with you. It was all three phases of the game. We couldn't run the ball effectively. We needed to. We dropped too many significant passes, very catchable, makeable passes. We didn't make significant plays in the special teams game. Our kickoff coverage unit wasn't good enough. We turned the ball over. We gave up big plays and critical moments on defense. Can't have it. End quote. And he is right. The Steelers should have crushed the Ravens. And now I think it's safe to say that the, that the Steelers have huge amounts of pressure on them in their final five games of the season. And look, people are asking, like, why do they have pressure on them? They're 11-0. The only thing that they have to worry about is... I mean, the only thing I can give them pressure is the undefeated season. And you'd be right. But here's the thing. There's only one first-round bye. Only one seed gets a first-round bye. Last year was two. This year is one. And the Chiefs are a game behind the, game behind in the AFC. They're 10-1. Steelers are 11-0. And I know the stadiums won't be packed. So that home field advantage thing won't be the same. But one less game to get to the Super Bowl does matter and the Chiefs fans can generate enough noise to add to the atmosphere so now let's look at the Steelers remaining five games of schedule so this Monday I think it is they face Washington at home then at the Bills then at the Bengals home against the Colts and the end of the season at the Browns minus the Bengals and maybe the Browns three out of the five teams can knock off the Steelers Ron Rivera's football team can definitely give the Steelers a tough run. The Bills are nothing to sleep on. They can definitely beat the Steelers. They did it last year on the road without Big Rob Ben Roethlisberger, and they can do it. They can probably do it at home. And the Colts are capable of pulling up, pull off an upset. They are that kind of a team. I remember last year. I think it was Jacoby Brissett went to Kansas City last year and beat Patrick Mahomes on his own turf. And we all agree that Philip Rivers is better. And it's possible that the Colts can pull, it off, pull off an upset. So, the Steelers played sloppy, 
And if you say they play down to their competition, I would agree with you. And I hope, I hope that Mike Tomlin ripped a new one into his, into his players. Because the pressure is on them to win out and any slippage would force them, potentially a 15-1 team if they lose, to play three playoff games instead of two. Because if the, if the playoff format was last year, they, would, they, they, probably, they probably would secure the first, they probably get secured at number two or one C anyway. So listen, they need to win out, go 16-0 in order to ensure the number one overall seed and also two playoff games at home. Now for the Steelers fans, this is why we were concerned early in this in the year when they were barely beating the Giants, the Broncos. I think they barely beat um, some other Eagles. They barely beat the Eagles, and the Eagles can't score on anybody. They're like one of the worst offenses in the entire league. This is why we were so concerned with them. If you're that great of a team, you need to blow out that competition. You need to blow out the Giants. You need to blow out the uh, Broncos, who are not good teams and not good on offense. So not enough blowouts allows us to get concerned. That, are you really that good of a team? Are you just good enough to keep other teams in games to make it look, make it look, look as if it's tough? Look, that win you had against the Browns and the Jaguars is what we want to see consistently. If we saw... The Steelers blow out teams on a regular basis, and they had one or two off games against the Ravens. People like, okay, the Ravens are tough, divisional game, no problem. But here's the thing. The Steelers had those consistently over the year. So, the Steelers, these next five games, need to be at their best in order to get the number one seed. And if they don't, at least you can buy them a chance to beat the Chiefs at home or on, or on the road. Because the Chiefs are an insane team that can score with anybody. And if you need, if they, if they need to, if they can't pass the ball, they'll run the ball. They'll, they'll be just as effective too. Steelers need to win these next five games and convincingly. Like, no sloppy play. You guys need to get your stuff together. All right, so let's get into Lamar Jackson. Because he didn't play last, uh, last Wednesday. But it, it's important that I talk about him today. The reigning league MVP is having a below-average season compared to his insane 2019 season. 15 touchdowns, 2,000 yards passing, 6-4 as a starter, and the offense as a whole isn't as fluid and explosive as it was last year. So the question is, what is happening? Well, the league is, adjust- the league is adjusting. Lamar and the Ravens now have to, have to take that next step in order to adjust in order to recapture that lightning in the bottle that they had last year. Remember in Super Bowl 53, Rams versus Patriots, the lowest scoring Super Bowl of, of all time? When the Rams went to that Super Bowl, no team could really figure out how to stop their run, run attack and their play action passing. But Belichick did. He put five de- de- defensive linemen, if not linebackers also, on the line to ensure that Todd Gurley was not going to beat them. And every team after that started to copy it. And that's the reason why the Rams missed the playoffs and Jared Goff looked like a rookie again. So what happened this year? Jared Goff and McVay adjusted. And now the Rams' offense is more... It's better than it was last year, but it still has issues, but it's better. They adjusted and now it's much more much more efficient. Alright? So that's what happened. Teams figured out, teams figured out how to beat them and they continue to use that philosophy all year long, and that's what caused the downfall. So what does this mean for the Ravens? 
they need to adjust, if not add more weapons, add more seasoning to the meat. They need a number one wide receiver. Hollywood Brown is a good wide receiver, but he's a number two receiver. Willie Sneed is a good receiver, but he's a three or four receiver on any other team. On this team, he's a three receiver in my opinion. They need to improve on the offensive line. They have people retire. I think some people lost in the free agency. And also on the defensive line. Bad defensive. Oh, well, this is offense, but you know what I'm talking about. So, solid offensive line play goes a long way in the run game and the pass game. Ask Todd Gurley. Bad offensive line didn't go anywhere. Joe Burrow. Bad offensive line. He's hurt right now. And lastly, they need to stop being predictable. Lamar Jackson said this in an interview a few weeks ago. That defenses know what plays they're going to run. Um, yeah, duh. That's what happens when you run. No, sorry, that's what happens when you throw only 20 times a game. You have an idea of what they're going to do because they're predictable. So, before I end this segment, here's what they need to do. They need to re-identify how they're going to use this offense. Stop being predictable. Stop running on first down all the time. Just mix it up a little bit. Get a get a get a, a get a top wide receiver in the draft, or at least trade for one. Get someone on the on the perimeter that can at least get those get those fifty fifty balls and make life easier. So that way, when Lamar Jackson goes back into the middle for Hollywood Brown, Willie Sneed, Mark Andrews, and Doyle, life will be easier. Offensive line, create holes for the running back. That way, Lamar Jackson is not running the ball all the time. You need to restructure the offense. If not, add more pieces to the puzzle. Add more seasoning to the, to the meat. And before I end this, end this segment, I feel like no matter what happens with the Ravens season or how it ends, Jackson is going to get huge amounts of criticism. If he goes one and done the playoffs again, criticism. If he loses in the division round after winning the wild card game, criticism. If he misses the playoffs altogether, criticism. Okay, right, look, look, pause and pause and pause. Not every quarterback is Tom Brady, Russell, Russell Wilson, or Patrick Mahomes, where they have instant success right off the back. Brady wins the Super Bowl in his second year in the NFL. Wilson, same thing, second year. Mahomes, uh, third year, but second year as a starter. Listen, would you rather have Joe Flacco or Mahomes? Answer that question and you know how Lamar Jackson should feel about his game right now. Lamar Jackson has flaws. That's obvious. He needs to throw the ball better. He needs to make, he needs to make better decisions. All that stuff. More accuracy as a more efficient as a passer. Understandable. But he's not the only reason. Again, restructure the offense. Remember, look, the Ravens are still winning, okay? I know they've lost three straight, but listen, they're 6 and 5. They're not like 4 and 9 right now. They are winning, and they will continue to win. I don't think they'll have a losing season this year. They'll probably make the playoffs. If not, they'll be 8-8 eight eight or 9-7 and seven this year. They'll be fine. This year isn't what they hoped. All right, fine. Adjust. Figure it out. If you can't figure it out this season, figure out next season. All right? You guys still have time. Lamar Jackson is still on his rookie deal. You still have a lot of time. If you want to extend them and still use that rookie deal, you can. You guys still have time. Okay, so coming up next, future NFL coaches and also the Chicago Bears' terrible quarterback history. That's coming up next. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to the NFL News Edition of the Atlantic Discussion Podcast. Once again, I'm Trinity Collins, and don't forget to check out my website at trinity24 at website.com, and also my Instagram, YouTube channel, and many other. This podcast is being featured on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many other audio platforms. So the last two segments were about the Ravens game and Lamar Jackson. Now I want to talk about future head coaches in the NFL. Because I think right now there are a few teams that are in the process of searching for new head coaches or will be searching for new head coaches. The Falcons, Lions, Texans, Chargers, Jets, and Jaguars. And now here are the potential candidates that I think are the best. Eric Bieniemy, that's obvious, the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator. Brian Dable, Bills offensive coordinator. Uh, Brandon Staley. Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator, Greg Roman, Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator, and Robert Chalet. I think he's the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator. Also, Jack Dario, Washington football team's defensive coordinator. I think his name was mildly um, thrown out there as a potential option as, as head coach. Now, what's interesting is that some of these teams need a, need a whole roster overhaul. Like, the Falcons need to consider down the line moving off their players. Like Matt Ryan, trade him. But if you can't because of the contract, you got to figure out a way to at least draft the successor, put him behind Ryan and just develop him. Because like, you need a roster overhaul. You need a new culture. You need a new, you need new fresh players. You need a fresh everything. Uh, the Lions, same thing. They got rid of their head coach, Matt Patricia. Uh, I think it was like... Last week, actually, right after the Thanksgiving debacle. The Chargers are one of those teams that they're like one head coach away. Because they have the quarterback. They have the receivers. I mean, I know Durbin James has an injury, but they have talent on the, defensive, uh, on the defense. They have solid offensive players. Their special teams need to, needs to improve. But look, they're a head coach away. There are some teams in here that if you just get the right head coach, because there's already good quarterbacks that I think are looking, they're already good quarterbacks. Some are above age. Some they don't have quarterbacks. If you get the right head coach, your problems are solved. And some of these teams like the Jaguars. The Jaguars need a head coach. And look, they're not going to get Jack Dario again. Or maybe they could. I don't know. But look, some of these teams, they need a coach. Like for like the Jets example. They need a coach that can like come in and has been in situations where he has to like retool the culture and retool the entire um, entire like organization and the team. Jack Dorio did it twice with the Jaguars and the Raiders. He brought the Raiders to uh, a wild card round without Derek Carr. He broke his leg in week 16 against uh, the Chiefs, I think. I don't know who what team he broke his leg against. But he has proven that he can definitely bring a team that – was dead in the water to 7-9, 12-4, back to 7-9, and Gruden comes in. But, like, that happened. He did it with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he brought them to two playoff appearances, even beat the Steelers, who next year went to win the Super Bowl. Uh, the Texans, on the other hand, they just need one side of the ball to improve, and they just need to add some more pieces on the offense. And I think that's where I think Eric Bieniemy comes into play for the Texans. I think Eric Bieniemy to the Texans may be the best fit because him with Deshaun Jackson, not Deshaun, why am I saying Deshaun Jackson? Deshaun Watson would be a match made in heaven. He's a very smart offensive coordinator. Deshaun Watson is a very intelligent quarterback who has 
a lot of talent and can play with the best of them. I think that the Lions, in my in my opinion, it's very hard to say, but the Lions need also like the Falcons need. They need to retool the entire organization. Matthew Stafford has been there since I think two thousand and ten. I think it was maybe two thousand and nine. He's been there for years and has not produced a single division title and much less than that, a playoff victory. They, there, there needs to be a roster overhaul also and a culture change. And you got to get the right person for this job. Brian Dable. Maybe get a quarterback in the draft. Brian Dable would be a good option. Quarter, young quarterback, get a young offensive minded. Greg Roman also. That's a good that's a good option right there. And you know what else I think you know what else I'm thinking? Robert Chalet to the Jets may be also a good shot. Because Robert Chalet comes off to, come, comes off as the kind of guy that has energy and is a very no-nonsense kind of person. I think that no-nonsense kind of mentality can fix the Jets' losing mentality over the last two to three years. And even back before the uh, the, Fitz, the Fitzpatrick uh, 2015 season when Rex Ryan was there. and like There needs to be a command of the locker room and you need to hire the coach that fixes a need that the team is lacking. The Chargers need a head coach, period, that's competent and can make good decisions in the final moments of the games and can close out these games. The Texans, you can pick either a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator. I think offense is best because Deshaun Watson needs a competent play caller to help him out. He's still young, and Eric Bieniemy has worked well with Patrick Mahomes, and, the, and he's proven that he can definitely do an offensive great job to offset some of the flaws in the defense. The Chiefs are not a great defensive team, but hey, you don't need to. The Texans are not a good defensive team, but if you're if you're still competent on offense, at least put the pressure off the defense, hold the ball a long time, and have nine to ten play drives, an occasional cheap touchdown that can work too. So it's gonna be very interesting to see how the NFL, particularly the owners and the general managers, want to go in the direction of picking the front office. Because, of course, if the front office is not good, the the team is not going to be that good. That's one of the reasons why the Bengals have not done anything over the last 20 or 30 years. I mean, hell, they still, to this day, do not have an indoor practice facility. The NFL team does not have an indoor practice facility. In Cincinnati, Ohio. Come on now. It's, uh, it's very disappointing. But, again, I, it's going to be very interesting to see how life is going to be for with these teams. Another team that I think is very interesting and disappointing at the same time are the Chicago Bears. So this past Monday, the Green Bay Packers defeated the Chicago Bears 41-25. Aaron Rodgers had himself an excellent day on the, on the field. 21-29, 211 yards, four touchdown passes. The Packers, once again, established dominance over their younger brother, the Bears. Even though I think the Bears are the first team in the NFL. But that should not be the story coming out from this game. The story should be the Chicago Bears, once again, can't find that franchise quarterback. After all these years in in the league. Back when it was the AAFL to the NFL, they still can't find that franchise quarterback. Check out the, the past Bears players who have become... Pro Football Hall of Famers, Gail Sayers, Dick Buckus, Mike Ditka, Walter Payton, George Hallis. Some of those most recognized great players were defensive players. 
if not that, probably an offensive lineman and running back. Even Sid Luckman, who is touted as one of the best Bears quarterbacks of all time. He played defensive. He played on defense like a handful of times. This franchise came into existence in 1920 as the Chicago Staley's. They have nine league championships. Eight were pre-Super Bowl. And to this day, their best quarterbacks were Sid Luckman, Jay Cutler, and Jim McMahon. They traded one spot up to get Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky. This guy can make any defense look like the 85 Bears. Any defense. They had a chance to get Watson or Mahomes. And no, I know we didn't know that they're going to be good, this good in their careers. But they were definitely graded higher than Trubisky. I don't think anybody had them on their board until maybe the third round, third or fourth round. He was not a first-round prospect, and a lot of people were shocked, including me. I was, I, was a, I was a freshman. I think it was a freshman in college. Maybe it was a sophomore when that draft happened. And you know what's funny is that like they signed Mike Lennon to like a three-year, $15 million a year contract, and then they, went, then they traded up some of their draft capital, traded some of their draft capital to get a quarterback like two spots up or one spot up. Like, what are you doing? And then you signed an injury-prone quarterback that works only in Philadelphia. Literally. Like, he went to St. Louis. He went to Kansas City. And then he was back in Philadelphia. And then he went to Chicago. And now we're realizing that the only... Oh, he went to Jacksonville, too. Uh, Nick Foles. The only place that he has worked is Philadelphia. That's amazing. You held on you held on to Jake Cutler for far too long and it cost millions of dollars and also it cost the last years of Lance Briggs, Brian Urlacher, Peanut Tillman, and many more. The Bears this year, just like they have been since the Walter Payton years, they have excellent defensive talent. Will have great games. Look dominant sometimes. Maybe have a maybe go off to a five and one start like they did like, like they did this year, but at the end of the day, they will lose because this offense spontaneously combusts whenever it needs to score a touchdown. I don't even blame the coaches primarily. I mean, they do have blame for this for their play calling and all that stuff. But the person at fault right here really is Ryan Pace, the GM. If you had picked Watson, and he flamed out at least. You picked the best, one of the best quarterbacks to come into the draft. Because that's you pushing your chips to the middle of the table and you're taking the best option and you're feeling it. At least they say, hey, at least you went for it. You didn't take the best option. You took at least the worst out of three. You know what's crazy? Many less, many teams, many less successful or less historical franchises have had at least, at least, Two franchise quarterbacks. The Chargers had two. Rivers and um, Dan Fouts. The Bills had have, have two now. Jim Kelly was one. And now they have Josh Allen. The Vikings had two. Dante Culpepper was a franchise quarterback for about like five years. I'll give him five years. And before that, they had Fran Tarkington. The Titans slash Oilers had two. Maybe three if you want to count, count Townhill. But I need more years out of him. McNair... And Warren Moon. The Browns have two. They had two. Otto Graham and uh, Bernie Kosar. And Baker Mayfield is still up in the air right now. The Falcons had two. Barkowski and Matt Ryan. 
and Mike Vick. So that's three, actually. I count, I count him as a franchise quarterback. The Bears' best quarterback to everybody's default suggestion was Sid Luckman. And hey, who knows? Maybe go back to free agency and sign a quarterback. Maybe they trade for one. Maybe they trade up in the draft again and get one of the top quarterbacks. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, or maybe the others. But the Bears are in dire need of a quarterback because you're going to waste Khalil Mack, Allen Robinson, Eddie Jackson, and many more talented players. This It shouldn't be like this. This franchise is too historic to waste great careers like this and only to have two Super Bowl appearances and only one victory. You should expect better. All right, so coming up next, I will talk about the Browns and their quest for a winning season and also their first playoff appearance since 2002. Then after that, I'll talk, about, I'll, talk about, I'll talk about why the Packers will not win the Super Bowl. That's coming up next. My gosh, the Cleveland Browns are actually winning football games. They could possibly, they're on the verge of going 9-3 in the National Football League. Nine wins. Think about that now. It's like watching an alcoholic take his first steps into recovery. It's a thing to see. It brings a tear to your eye. And right now... I'm just hoping that they can at least win a playoff game. It could actually, you know, might heal some wounds that the, that the city has gone through with this football team over the last, since 19, 1999, even going farther back to 1996 when they couldn't stop John Elway, then 87 when they couldn't stop John, John Elway again, then two years later after that when you couldn't stop John Elway again, then you moved the franchise. I think a winning season, a playoff victory would do justice for this franchise for the immediate future. But this Sunday, they play the Tennessee, they play the Tennessee Titans, coming off a statement win against the Colts. The Browns need to beat the Titans, and it has to be convincing. Baker Mayfield needs to, needs to be super efficient. The defense needs to hold their own against Derrick Henry. Special teams need to, need to make an appearance. If you look at the Browns' 2020 season through 11 games, their most impressive victory was against the Colts. The other seven, the other seven were against teams with a losing record, and also some of them were within one score. If the Browns want to be a force and be a threat in the playoffs, they need to beat more than one playoff team. And now, they're on the road against Tennessee, who won a huge divisional game, a statement win, a convincing win. I think it was like 45 to 22, something like, something like that. This is a playoff quality game. They're, the, the, if the Browns lose this game, it won't affect like their ability to make the playoffs. There's a very good chance they'll make the playoffs anyway. But here's what's really on the line here. If the Browns want to be taken seriously, if the fans honestly want to believe that they can win a playoff game and for the analysts to look at them as a little bit differently 
They need to win this game. They need the best out of their team this, this coming weekend. Baker Mayfield is going to need more. He needs to be more efficient. 22 out of 30, 26, 200, 260 yards, and a touchdown pass would suffice. The defense needs to hold their own against Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. They need to hold them. They need to at least make a statement. The Browns have an opportunity to really put their name into the hat of teams that can surprise people, just like the Titans did last year. Nobody believed in them. They went on the run, and now people see them as a as a quality team. The Browns, if they win this game, and I'm talking about 27-17 kind of victory, and you can watch the game and you see that it's a very tough nail-biter, but you see the Browns are pulling away. If they do that... They can definitely put their hat, sorry, put their name into the hat of teams that can really make a difference in the playoffs and possibly screw people's brackets as far as how the playoffs are going to go. Because if they lose, and not only lose, but lose bad, like, like they lost to the Steelers game or to the Ravens, if they lose really poorly to the Titans, get ready for a one and done playoff run. Because the Titans are not even the creme, or the creme de la creme. They're not one of those like elite teams, like those elite teams like the Chiefs or the Steelers or even the Bills to that matter. The Ravens smacked them around in week one and it was ugly. The Steelers smacked them around and the Raiders made life hell. This game has nothing to do with their chances of making the playoffs. It's more of the Browns Gaining respect. You beat the bottom dwellers of the league far too many times. It will help you gain wins, but not respect. If you beat the Titans on their home turf, you definitely will gain some respect. And Mayfield, you can't miss open receivers in the end zone. You're a third-year quarterback. You should at least make those throws. So when I see you on that field, I'm not sure if I can get, I'm not sure if I can get the game. Honestly, if I can, you need to be efficient. Again, 22 out of 30, 260 yards, a touchdown pass, maybe two, would definitely go a long way for people to see this team as not just a one-year wonder kind of team that next year will probably go 6-10, and 7-9, and, and then they have to blow up the whole thing again and go through that whole process of finding a franchise quarterback, maybe fire their head coach. I hope they don't, but, they, they, but it's the Browns. They probably will. The Browns have a huge opportunity this weekend, and they better not blow it. Because the one thing that this that this city needs is hope. The best way to go have your first winning season since 2006 is to beat one of the best teams in the AFC. So good luck, gentlemen. All right, so um, a month ago, I talked about why the Seahawks will not win the Super Bowl. I don't buy into bad defenses in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. Then I talked about the Steelers and why they could win the Super Bowl because they have no Antonio Brown. They ha- they're more focused. The defense is better. Now, I want to talk about the Packers. And here's why I think they will not win the Super Bowl. And it all started on draft day 2020. Their first three draft picks are either not playing 
or have made little to no contribution to the team. The biggest flaw on defense was stopping the run. The Vikings, Buccaneers, and Colts reminded, reminded them of what kicked them out of the playoffs last year when the 49ers ran roughshod against this defense. Let's look at the offense. Outside of, the, outside of Devontae Adams, they have solid to good wide receivers. Lazard and Valdez Scanley are good, but they don't scare you or force you to double them like Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a clear number one receiver, and you know you have to double him or, he's going, or else he's going to torch you. Lazard and Valdez Scanley are still young and good, but they're not a kind of receiving core that scares you. The Packers are literally where they were last year. They're just more efficient. The goal of the offseason after you are one step away from the Super Bowl is to add more ammunition. That's the only thing you have to do. You had to add more defensive players. You could have, um, I don't know, traded for DeAndre Hopkins or at least gone heavy in the, in the draft class and get Justin Jefferson or get Patrick Queen because they went later than you, I think. The only way the Packers will get to the Super Bowl is if they have home field advantage. The coveted number one seed. Aaron Rodgers has played in four conference championship games. Not a single one was at Lambeau Field. If you look at the playoff picture, the Packers have the number two seed. If the season ended today, they would play the Cardinals. I mean, I like the Packers' chances in that game. I don't think an NFC East team is winning the playoff game. So, they could be facing the Rams or the Seahawks. The Rams live off the run. The Seahawks have an excellent quarterback, and I'm pretty sure that they'll do whatever they can to run the ball against the Packers. So they'll, they'll be in trouble if they're the number two seed getting to the divisional round. They'll be in trouble, in my opinion. So getting that number one seed matters. Getting an excellent run defense matters. Having a, number, having a threatening number two receiver matters. The Packers, unfortunately, cared more about three years down the line instead of striking while the iron's hot. I am hope I'm wrong about the Packers, because having a Rodgers and Mahomes Super Bowl would be excellent for the fans and State Farm. But I don't think it would happen. All right, so coming up next, I'll go, so, I'll go through some quick news with the Broncos, the Bengals, and the Seattle Seahawks. Later in the show, I'll have three games that I think are interesting games to watch for this weekend and to end the show i'll have my top 10 teams heading into week 13 week 13 i forget i, I have like my, my brain's all rattled because it's almost finals week but i'll see you soon Alright guys, it's been a, an eventful week so far, heading to the week 13 matchups right now. So I have some quick news for you for three different teams on three different parts of the country. Starting with the Broncos, Denver Broncos coach Vic Vangio said Wednesday that the team has fined all four of its quarterbacks for violations of COVID-19 protocols, including not wearing masks. 
more discipline, including a fine to the organization, as well as loss of draft picks, could come from the NFL in the days and weeks ahead. Broncos quarterback Drew Locke, who has tested negative throughout the past week, was throwing, to, was throwing with the starters on Wednesday's practice and is expected to start Sunday against the Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. He said this in a quote, We came in on, th- on Tuesday and got some extra work in when no one, no one was here. And we got two lackadaisical with the protocols, he said Wednesday. It ended up hurting us and it hurt this team and I apologize for letting that happen. We could have been better. That's the point of the matter here. We needed to be perfect and we're... And we weren't perfect. That's something that we've got to be better at. In Cincinnati, rookie quarterback Joe Burrow underwent successful ACL and MCL surgery in his left knee on Wednesday, the Bengals said. The procedure went as planned, and he is expected to make a complete recovery. Joe will begin the recovery process and will look forward to his return. Cincinnati is, in, is anticipating Burrow will be... He, he will need at least eight to nine months of recovery. In Burrow's 10 games, he completed 65.3% of his passes, 268 yards passing per game, and while, t- while tossing 13 touchdowns and just 5 interceptions. The injury is unfortunate and it sucks. Uh, he's an excellent player and was clearly worthy of the number one overall pick. Now it's time for the Cincinnati Bengals to start drafting offensive linemen and signing solid to excellent defensive players. Burrow's on his rookie deal. You have, to, you have the cap space to do it. Don't mess this up, Bengals. This is the best quarterback you've had since the early years of Palmer. And if you want to look further, Umer Esiason. So make sure you have a great offseason because it all goes, if all goes well, you guys can make the playoffs next year. I think Joe Burrow is that good of a talent. He can get you to the playoffs. And finally, in Seattle, Josh Gordon is back. Again. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell reinstated Gordon on Tuesday. No, sorry, not Tuesday, Thursday. The receiver will be eligible to return for the final two games of the 2020 season. Gordon can begin COVID-19 testing Friday, which is today, and join the club on December 9th. He can he can then attend games, sorry, meetings, meet individually with coaching staff, and work out at the club facility. Gordon will be eligible to begin attending practice on December 21st following the team's Week 15 game and play in Weeks 16 and 17. Gordon is currently on a one-year deal and joins a Seahawks receiving corp headlined by rising star DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, David Moore, and Freddie Swain. I am currently happy for the guy. I believe he needed... I honestly feel like he needed to focus on his health more than football because he couldn't, he couldn't shake his addiction. And if you can't shake the one thing that's affecting... Your income, I feel like you need to focus on your health more than the thing that you really want to play. But if this time he can stay completely healthy and clean and drug-free and he has beaten his drug addiction, I mean, this is just an excellent addition for the Seahawks at the right time. Playoffs are starting up. You need all the ammunition you need. So good job for the Seahawks. Uh, Coming up next, I will predict three games that I think are the most intriguing and who's going to win. And after that, NFL Top 10 teams heading into Week 13. Stay tuned. (music) 
All right, guys, we have reached the final two segments of the show. Uh, the first one will be three games, one from the 1 o'clock, 4.30, and 8.30 slots that I think are the most intriguing games to predict for this weekend. So the first game is the Browns versus the Titans. I'm taking the Browns to defeat the Titans 23-21. to Both teams are 8-3, but the Browns need this win more than the Titans. Not a lot of people are sold on the Browns winning a playoff game. If they win this game on the road in Tennessee against a team that was in the conference championship game last year will go a long way for the rest of the season and their chances in the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not even going to say they're going to make the conference game. I'm just saying like the morale, the confidence, and us thinking of the Browns differently would go a long way. Mayfield needs to have a great day passing. You can't miss wide-open receivers in the end zone. The defense needs to focus on Derrick Henry and especially needs to focus on the play-action passing because once Henry gets going, the play-action passing game is going to be hell on the defense. And they, they especially need to focus on Derrick Henry in the third and fourth quarter because that's when the defense starts getting tired and the Browns might be in trouble if they can't stop him by the third quarter. So I'm taking the Browns 23-21. to Rams, Rams versus Cardinals. This is very quick. I'm taking the Rams to win 28-20. The Cardinals struggled against the Patriots because Belichick is an excellent defensive mind. The Rams have a very good defense. I think the Rams are just as are, just, are more of a complete team compared to the Cardinals. So I'm taking the Cardinals to lose 28-20. And plus, I think the Cardinals... By the way, if you hear the... Um, I might have to cut that out of the... Uh, Audio. I think the I think the Cardinals are more reliant on Murray to do everything, run game, pass game, everything. So Rams rely on the run and golf play action. So Rams win. Finally, the Bills versus the 49ers. I'm taking the Bills to win 30 to 21. The Bills don't have a good run defense, but then again, they are facing. But then again, like. Sean McDermott is a very smart defensive coordinator. I'm sure he'll figure out a way to stop the run and force Nick Mullins to beat them throwing the ball. Uh, The 49ers defense will hold their own in the first half, but as the game heads into the fourth quarter, I think the Bills will pull away. So I'm taking the Bills 30-21. All right, so let's get into my top 10 teams heading into week 13. And thank God there's no... Uh, Thursday night football. That way, I have to like you know explain the fact that that game doesn't count as far as the standing. I guess like the rankings is concerned. But let's start at number ten. And look, I put the Colts at ten, and I understand they lost to the Browns earlier this season. But I need to see the Browns face the Titans. I need to see if they can beat them. And if so, I'll easily put them at ten or at nine, depending on how depending on how the rest of the uh, the league shapes up. So as for the Colts. They're good in two areas, their run game and their defense. I think Rivers is holding them back and is turnover prone in the, in the worst times. They're solid in two areas, run game and defense. But if Rivers' play goes down, they will go down. So with that being said, since the quarterback is the most important position on the offense and, 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 and on the entire uh, team, I'm taking the Colts to be at number 10 because Rivers tends to, you know, be wild and, and, and erratic when he doesn't have to. Uh, number nine, the Ravens. I think they're going 
to crawl into the playoffs playing below average football. The offense has not been a good smooth flow over the last month or two. Lamar Jackson is struggling to throw the ball. Their defense is struggling to stop the run. I still give them a chance to win a playoff game, but I don't think they're getting it past the divisional round, though. Uh, at number eight, I have the Buccaneers. They have issues. Their pass defense will definitely, definitely cost them a playoff game. Brady is struggling right now in his new offense. He lost three straight home games, and one was a primetime game, which he got absolutely routed. If you get, you know, if you lose, especially blown out in three straight home games, you're not a top five team in my opinion. But their remaining games are fairly easy, so there's a good chance they'll be 11 and five, maybe the sixth or fifth seed in the NFC, and they and you know they'll make the playoffs. But right now they're the eighth best team in the NFL in my opinion. Uh, number seven, the Titans. They are a good team, but no pass rush. Bet on third down, that hurts. I think this can go as far as the divisional round. That's how far I think the Titans can go. Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry are the ones that make this engine go. Or make this car go. And they've always been a quarterback away from being a good team. So they are a good team. They're the 7th best team in the NFL. But their spotty defense can definitely cause problems in the in the, in the uh, playoffs. Number six, Seahawks. Teams that are excellent on one side of the ball and terrible on the other side of the ball is not a top five team. That's why I had the Seahawks at six. I don't care how good Seattle looked in the Eagles game. Every defense looks good against the, uh, against the Eagles because the offense of the Eagles sucks. I need to see them stop a potent offense like the Buccaneers who could put up big points. The Packers could put up big points. Uh, the Chiefs, the Steelers. Those kind of offenses. If they can't stop those kind of offenses, I can't put them in top five. And I definitely don't think they're making the, making the Super Bowl either. All right, Bills. Since the Bills defeated the Seahawks earlier in the year, I'll put them ahead of them at the, at the five spots. I like them. Josh Allen, uh, last game, had a poor day. But the one thing I did like is the fact that they had a good run game. And that's the aspect of the Bills that I loved about them going to the going to the 2020 season. So as you enter December and January, when it gets colder, you need to run the ball more. So seeing them able to run the ball against the Chargers, and I know they're a bad team, but seeing, them get, seeing, seeing a run game really makes my thoughts about them very, very more confident. And I'm more fond of them making a potential run at a conference game because run games always go a long long way. Josh Allen's still good. Defense needs to improve, but this is a good team, five spot. Number number four, Saints. Anytime you can win without your starting quarterback for about like three to four weeks and five times last year, you're a top five team in my books. Eight straight win eight straight wins. Defense is playing lights out. Once Drew Brees gets back, this team is capable of at least getting to the divisional round of the playoffs. So good team. Saints at four. Number three, the team that beat the Saints earlier in the year, the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is playing lights out. They have two running backs they that I love, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. The one thing that will hold back this team is their run defense. But what will save them is a number one seed. The Saints are facing the Chiefs very soon. I think the Chiefs will win that game and the Packers 
have to win their next five games in order to guarantee themselves a 13-3 season, two years in a row, and the first overall seed, which I think hasn't happened since the 2011 season. If the Packers win out, they'll most likely be the number one seed. All right, number two, the Steelers. They're undefeated. Defense is still top in the league. They have a lot of things going well for them. But here's the part of the season where we start to we start to really evaluate how good the Steelers are. Because they're going to be facing the Colts, um, the Browns, and the Washington football team. Those three teams can definitely give them a run for their money because they've played down to their competition a few times earlier in the season. So if they can blow out at least three out of five top teams on their schedule remaining in the season, they could be the number one team in the league. But the number one team in the league is clearly the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a no-brainer. They could do whatever they want on offense. If you need efficient um, offensive play, you got it. If you need a good run game, you got it. If you need a good pass game, you got it. If you're not playing well for three quarters and you need two scores in five minutes, they can do it. Their defense seems to be as good as last year, which is average to above average. That's fine. That's all they need. They're putting a lot of pressure on the Steelers to win out. I think the Steelers will lose the Buffalo Bills, which will give Kansas City the number one overall seed. So that's my list. Colts 10, Ravens 9, Buccaneers 8, Titans 7, Seahawks 6, Bills 5, Saints 4, Packers 3, Steelers 2, Chiefs 1. Thank you for listening to the NFL News Edition of the Atlanta Discussion Podcast. I am Trudy Collins. I will be back next week on Friday. Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Those two platforms carry the show. Check out my YouTube channel and my website, trinity24.wixsite.com. That's T-R-I-N-T-I-Y, 24, at wixsite.com. For sports highlights, photos, pictures, and more, those stuff will be on that website. You can follow me on Instagram at onemanisland__productions. Once again, thank you for listening. Enjoy your weekend, and I'll see you guys in the future.